Dear Lord, thank you for just giving us this opportunity just to come here and hear your word, Lord, and just worship you. Um, please be with Pastor Jesse as he begins to speak and just uh, give him the words that we need to hear tonight, Lord, and, and just pray. Amen. Is that better? Hey, now we got sound. So before we jump into this, I, I want to find out real quick, how many of you knew that song that we just sang? You've heard it before, you've sung it before, it is well. Okay, hands down. How many of you, you've never sung that song or heard that song before? Okay, so that's what we call a hymn. Okay, for those of you who, who are way younger than most of the adults in the room, there was a time where we didn't have, imagine this, electronic screens and projectors in church and you had a book that you had to open called a hymnal. And, and the reason they did that song tonight, and you guys, you know, over the next couple of months, you might hear one or two more hymns out of that book, is because those are, those are songs that have been around and part of the church for a long time. And there's some great just theology in some of those songs. For instance, there was a line in there, and I, and I had to pull it back up to make sure I didn't say it wrong, um, where it says, though Satan should buffet, though trials should come. Does anybody know what that means when it says Satan should buffet? What's it mean, Eli? Trying to fight back? Well, that, that word buffet actually means to strike or to strike repeatedly. Like sometimes you hear that word in a sentence like the, the, the waves buffeted the shore. It means they just hit it over and over and over. And basically what that's saying there is that even though Satan comes and hits you and attacks you over and over, though trial should come, it says, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul. That's the gospel right there in four quick lines of that old hymn. Those hymns are important. They're important in our church. They're important in us understanding who God is because through songs, we can understand what God's word says. And that's why you're going to be here in a couple of those. Was that lightning outside? That was awesome. Um, hey, and don't worry. If the power goes out in here, I use an iPad to preach so we can keep right on rolling, okay? So we'll be okay, all right? So what book have we been studying? Daniel. I, I, I could not make it any easier for you. We, we've been studying the book of Daniel, so I'm just going to ask you some questions. You ready? Who wrote the book? Daniel. When do we believe it was written? Around, around the 6th century. I'm keeping it very broad for you guys. We haven't narrowed it down to a year. Um, how many languages was it written in? Two. Which ones? Hebrew and Aramaic. So y'all got some of them. Okay. Who came in in the first two verses and conquered the Israelites? Who said it? Babylonians. That's it right there. Does anybody remember the name of the king of the Babylonians? Nebuchadnezzar. Man, you guys have been paying attention. All right, here's one I haven't asked you. Approximately how old were Daniel and these other guys when they were captured? Probably about 15, 16, maybe 17, somewhere in there. So uh, some of you guys that are freshmen, sophomore, uh, maybe even juniors, around that age right there. And then here's a question I've asked you every single week. What's the, what's the theme? What's the big idea that we see in this book? God's sovereignty. Absolutely. Do y'all remember what sovereign means? God's sovereignty. What does it mean that he's sovereign? He's in control. That's it right there. 
that no matter what happens, God is sovereign. Even when things are going great, God is in control. When things are going off the rails and you don't understand what's happening in your life, God is in control in all of those situations. And that matters because that's kind of what we've seen happen here in this book. You've got the nation of Israel, the nation of Babylon has come in, has taken over, and has taken all of the, the young, good-looking, athletic, all the smart guys and teens and brought them back over, and they're going to train them. They're going to basically indoctrinate them into the Babylonian culture, and then they're going to send them back into the nation of Israel and try to turn that entire culture into a Babylonian culture. So that's what's going on in this book of Daniel and this whole idea of that, that God is in control even in the midst of all of that. We see that throughout the book because you see Daniel repeatedly trusting in God even though the situation is less than ideal. And that's exactly what we're looking at tonight. Um, let me start just in verse 8. Last week we talked about this idea that Daniel had done something. Do you remember what that word was that I used over and over? Daniel had what? Starts with an R. It's in verse 8. Resolved. Daniel resolved himself. Let me read verse 8 again. It says, But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. What that means is Daniel made a decision that he was not going to do anything that would compromise his convictions when it came to his relationship with God. That, that no matter what the consequence was, to have resolve, to, that, that means you're, you're not going to change your mind. Just because the circumstances change, just because the situation changes or the people around you change, when you have resolve, it means that you're going to stand firm on your convictions. And that's exactly what Daniel decided to do. Because what Daniel understood is that if he ate the food of the king of the Babylonians, there were a couple things at play there. Number one, that food was probably not ceremonially prepared to be clean the way it needed to be for Jewish people. And number two, it was probably offered to false gods, little g gods, tiny fake gods. So in order for Daniel and his friends to consume that food, it would mean that they would be unclean before God. It would compromise their relationship with God. Now we look at that and we think that's a really small thing, that eating food, but, but that's the point that Daniel decided to stand firm on because if Daniel's willing to take that little step and give in there, quite often what we find is when we take little steps and don't stand on our convictions, we give in here and we give in here, all of a sudden those little things lead to bigger things and lead to bigger things. And before we're even paying attention, we're not even pursuing God anymore. So Daniel says, I'm going to take a stand right here on this little thing. He made a conscious choice to honor God no matter what. And I challenged you with this question last week. You don't have to answer this out loud, but I want to ask you the same question. How has your resolve to honor God in every area of your life gone for you this week? Don't answer that out loud, but just think about that for a second. At home with your family, in class with your peers and your teachers, at work with your coworkers and your boss, on the, on the sports team with your, your teammates and your coach, hanging out with your friends, how has your resolve to honor God with every, every area of your life been this week? Are you standing firm on the truth of what you know from the word of God? Because to have resolve means you're not gonna waver from it. 
It means it doesn't matter what you come up against. You are going to stay the course. You are going to do what you know God has called you to do. And that's exactly what he's called us to do. And let's be honest, though. There's times that we struggle to be resolved because, quite frankly, we're afraid of the outcome. We're afraid of how things are going to work out. We're afraid of how people are going to respond to us. We're afraid of what they're going to do, how they're going to react, what they're going to, or how they're going to treat us. But being resolved means you're committed to follow that same path no matter what the results are. Daniel knew that. Daniel knew the risks that he was going to take, and that's what we're going to see tonight. And Daniel went ahead and saw it through anyway. So tonight, we're going to go through verses 9 through 21. We're actually going to finish chapter 1 tonight. I know three weeks in, we're finally going to get there. So I want to ask you to stand in honor of the reading of God's Word and follow along with me as I read these verses, and then we'll come back and kind of pick it apart a little bit. So verse 9 says, And God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king who assigned your food and your drink. For why should he see that you were in worse condition than the youths who are of your own age? So you would endanger my head with the king. Then Daniel said to the steward whom the chief of the eunuchs had assigned over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, test your servants for 10 days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance and the appearance of all of the youths who eat the king's food be observed by you and deal with your servants according to what you see. So he listened to them in this time, in this manner, in this matter, and tested them for 10 days. And at the end of 10 days, it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh than all the youths who ate the king's food. So the steward took away their food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables. As for these four youths, God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. At the end of the time, when the king had commanded that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king spoke with them, and among all of them, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore they stood before the king, and in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters that were in all his kingdom. And Daniel was there until the first year of King Cyrus. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this time. We thank you that we can come together, that we can study your word, that we can have fun, God, and just try to figure out what it looks like to, to follow you and to be obedient to you and to live a life that's resolved, to stand on the convictions you call us to. God, I pray right now that you'll help us to, to see what that looks like as we walk through this tonight. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. So we saw there in verse 8, Daniel's resolve not to defile himself with the king's food. And what Daniel does is he actually works up the courage to go and ask the chief of the eunuchs for permission. He says, I, I'm not just going to decide to do something. He goes and makes it obvious to other people. And look at the eunuch's response in verse 9. It says, God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king who assigned your food and your drink. For why should he see that you were in worse condition than the youths who are of your own age? So you would endanger my head with the king. The first thing we see here in this passage is this idea that, that when you've got resolve, it's going to require risk on your part. 
If you have resolved yourself, if you've decided you're going to follow God, no matter what happens, no matter what the consequence, it's going to mean you're going to have to take a risk. Daniel's resolve, that's exactly what that required. It required him to take a chance. Daniel could have very easily decided in his own mind and in his own heart, I am not going to eat the meat. I'm not going to eat the things that I'm supposed to eat. But he could have done it quietly. He, he could have just done like some of you maybe did when you were younger, or maybe you do that now, when your parents serve you something that you really don't like, and you just kind of push it around your plate a little bit, and you spread it out, and you try to hide it under other food, or you wait till they're not looking, and you sneak it into a napkin, and then you throw it away. You, you decide, I'm not going to eat that, but you're sneaky about it. Daniel had that opportunity, but that's not what he did. I, I remember one time in my own house, just let me tell you this right now, I hate raisins absolutely hate them. And there was one night at my dinner table where, where my parents had made this like shredded carrot, raisin, some kind of salad. And I was determined I was not going to eat this stuff. And I did exactly all of those things. I moved it around my plate. I tried to mix it in with other food. And, and it was, it was, I wasn't going to eat it because I can't stand raisins. Unfortunately, none of those tricks worked. My parents figured out what was going on and they made me sit there until I ate it. And I'm, I'm, have you ever been that stubborn kid? You're like, I'm not just not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Well, you didn't do that in my house because my dad wasn't going to let that happen. He'd tear up your bottom quicker than that. So I finally decide I'm going to take a bite. And of course, you know what you do? You get the absolute smallest bite possible, right? You put it in your mouth and you kind of move it around with your tongue and you try not to, to swallow it. You try not to taste it, but then you have to swallow it. And as I go to swallow this, I audibly are like, I mean, like gagged at the dinner table and kind of threw up a little bit on my plate because this stuff was so nasty. But I had resolved I wasn't going to do it. That stuff made me sick. See, I tried to be quiet about it. Daniel didn't try to be quiet about it. Daniel could have gone about his business and done what he had resolved to do. But what he did is he took a risk by actually drawing attention to himself. He went to his authority, to the person that the king had put over him and said, King, I don't want to do this. Is there any way I can not do this so that I can still honor God? You need to understand that if you're going to be resolved in your life to stand on your convictions, to stay the course with what God has called you to do, there's going to be times where it requires you to risk something. You may have to risk your reputation. You may have to, to risk your public status if you're really going to stand on your convictions. But that's what God calls us to do as disciples of Jesus Christ. To be willing, that's why scripture says, take up your cross and follow me. The whole idea of a cross, it was torture, it was death. It was something that nobody else wanted to be a part of. And yet Jesus says, take that and come after me. If you're going to live with resolve, you're going to have to take risks. It's going to require you because you are never going to be able to go along with what everyone else is doing and continuously stand firm on your convictions and follow God. Because the world doesn't want you to do that. And your friends and your teammates, and for some of you, your families, are not going to want you to do that. And you've got to be willing to take the risk. And I want you to not miss one other thing here, though. The way that Daniel did this, Daniel took that risk, but he did it respectfully. 
He didn't go into the chief of the eunuchs and make a, make a scene demanding his rights as somebody who believed in God. He didn't go in and say, I believe in God and these are the things I believe and you can't make me do the things that you're trying to make me do. Guess what probably would have happened to him? He'd have been dead because the, the, the chief of the eunuchs had that kind of power. He went in humbly and he asked permission to stand on his convictions. Guys, that's, that's a big deal. Because right now in this world, there are too many people who are going out there and they are claiming Christianity and they are raging against society and all they are doing is making people think, I don't want anything to do with that. Daniel went in and he asked humbly, what if you can stand resolved on your convictions to honor Christ and not be an obnoxious jerk about it? That's what Daniel did. And that's what we have to do. Because when you approach it the way Daniel approached it, what you do is you start a conversation. What you do is you make yourself someone that other people are going to look at and say, why? Why do you think that way? Why do you feel that way? And now you've opened for a door for a conversation. When you go in demanding your rights as a Christian, what you do is you shut people down. And they don't want to hear the gospel. So it matters the way that we approach. When we take those risks, it matters how we take those risks. It's possible to do it humbly and respectfully because that's what Daniel does here. In fact, the first time he asks in those verses 9 and 10, he doesn't get the answer he's looking for. So he tries again. Look at verse 11. It says, Then Daniel said to the steward, whom the chief of the eunuchs had assigned over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So Daniel went to the chief of the eunuchs, the guy in charge, and he was told, no, because if I do that, king's going to kill me. So what Daniel does is Daniel goes to the next level. And look at what happens here. It says in verse 10, he says, Test your servants for 10 days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance and the appearance of the youths who eat the king's food be observed by you. And deal with your servants according to what you see. So he listened to them in this matter and tested them for 10 days days. Daniel was resolved but he did it with humility not demanding his own way. The chief eunuch, he was too afraid to do what Daniel asked him to do. So Daniel appeals to that next authority and this time it works. Daniel's taking a risk. You, you guys know this risk because you've played your parents against each other like this before. Where you go to one and you do not get the answer that you want. So really quickly before the two of them can talk, you go to the other one and don't tell them that the first one said no and see if you can get a yes. Y'all haven't done that before, have you? No, nobody in this room. Yeah. I mean, Daniel's kind of taking that chance here. He's gone to the chief of the eunuchs and the chief of the eunuchs said, I'm not going to put myself in that kind of danger. So he goes to the next guy in charge and he asks the exact same thing. But he's taking a risk here because this guy has the ability to do a couple things. He can grant his request. He can tell him no and make him eat the food and drink the wine. Or he could take his life in anything in between those three things. He's taking a risk by going and asking this question. But Daniel was resolved to honor God. And what you need to understand is that this works out well for Daniel. It doesn't always work out that well. 
when you resolve to stand firm on your convictions and honor God, it's not always going to turn out rainbows and sunshine and unicorns. It's not always going to be that way. Sometimes life's going to be hard. Daniel took the risk of losing his own life. When you resolve to honor God with your life, it's going to affect what you do and who you do it with. It, it may be that if you resolve to honor God in your dating relationship, you don't date that person anymore because the way that you're acting and carrying out that dating relationship doesn't honor God at all. Or if you resolve to honor God with the movies that you watch or the music that you listen to or the, the things that you take in with your eyes and with your ears, it may be that you don't watch those things and you don't listen to those things anymore that everyone else is talking about and everyone else has said, this is awesome, you need to go check it out. And all of a sudden, you're not a part of that anymore. And that's hard. It's hard when your friends are doing all of these things and you make the decision, I'm not going to be a part of that because that doesn't honor God. That takes risk. That takes a willingness to stand firm in your convictions no matter what the result is. Taking a stand in your walk with God will not always be something that brings pleasant results. However, Daniel was willing to accept the consequences of his proposal and he had faith that God would take care of him and God does. Because in this situation, Daniel's willing to risk ended with reward in his life. Look at what happens in verse 15. It says, at the end of the 10 days, it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh, which by the way, that doesn't mean like they were heavier than everybody else. It means that they were more fit than everybody else. It says they were fatter in flesh than all the youths who ate the king's food. So the steward took away their food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables. As for the four youths, God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. What Daniel had resolved himself to do was to pursue personal holiness. He wasn't willing to compromise. He wasn't willing to do the things that were going to draw him away from his relationship with God. And he took a risk, and that risk paid off for Daniel and his friends. What we see right there is there's blessings from God that come to Daniel and his friends as a result, as a result of their obedience. Number one is we see that there was physical blessing in their life. It says their appearance was better than that of their peers because they had made this choice to honor God. It says right there that God blessed them in learning their mental capability to comprehend and to grow and to understand. God blessed that in their lives. And it even says that Daniel, he was blessed spiritually because he was given the ability to understand and interpret dreams. And here's why that matters. Because in the Babylonian cultures, there was a belief that the gods, the little g, the false gods, spoke through dreams. So for God to give Daniel the ability to interpret dreams, now he's got the ability to speak the voice of God into this culture that doesn't believe in God. God, God blesses these young men, and he does that in a way that equips them for the situation they're in. But let me clarify something here. Living in obedience to God, living with resolve to honor him, it doesn't mean God's going to bless your life in the way that God did for Daniel and his buddies. In fact, it, it doesn't mean that God's going to do what you think he's going to do at all. 
I'm willing to bet, this is me speaking, this is not scripture speaking, but I'm willing to bet if I'm in this situation, the biggest desire I have at that moment in time is not to be smarter and to be wiser and to have all of these different things go well for me and be more physically fit. That would be nice, but that's not my desire at that time. The desire right there for me, I want to go home. I want to go back to the place I came from. I want to go back to the place that I was ripped from, my family and my friends and the culture that I knew. That's my biggest desire in this situation. That might have been theirs. I don't know. But that's not what God does. You see, God takes care of them, but God doesn't necessarily take care of them in the way that they might have desired. God takes care of them and equips them with what they needed to survive in that culture. And quite often, when we take a risk and we stand resolved on our convictions to honor God with our life, God does bless your life, but those are not outward blessings that everyone can see. Quite often, it's God working on your personal holiness and your conviction and your faith and your resolve to honor Him in every area of your life. And that's an internal thing that God does. God doesn't always remove you from the situation that is difficult for you. What God will do is God will grow you and equip you to do what needs to be done in that situation in order so that you can glorify Him, in order that you can point other people to Jesus Christ. If you don't believe me, read the New Testament. Where was Paul when he wrote most of the, the letters that he wrote? jail. Yes, I told you a lot of times that's the right answer. He's in jail. You've got a guy who was beaten, a guy who was shipwrecked, a guy who was put in prison we don't know how many times and all of these other things that happened to him. God didn't stop the hard situations in Paul's life. What God did is God equipped Paul to be able to stand firm in the hard situations. And he'll do the same thing for us. And that's going to look different for every single person in this room because the situation you face is going to be different from the situation of the person sitting next to you. But that's what God does when we decide to live a life that is resolved and stand firm on our convictions. Daniel didn't necessarily get what he wanted, but Daniel got what he needed. And then look at how this finishes in verse 18. At the end of the time, when the king had commanded that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king spoke with them, and among all of them, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore they stood before the king, and in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters that were in all his kingdom. And Daniel was there until the first year of King Cyrus. God did not change their circumstances. Instead, what God did is he changed these teenagers. And as a result, they were able to be a part of a culture that they had the opportunity to influence for years to come. It says right there that Daniel was there until the first year of King Cyrus. If you follow through the different kings here, what that means is Daniel was there serving in that king's court under three different kings. Nebuchadnezzar II, Nebuchadnezzar III, and um, what's his name here? Not Cyrus, uh, Bel Belshazzar. If you're looking for a time frame, that means Daniel was serving for a little over 70 years, almost 80. He was there for a long time before 
he began to see the promises of God and the people of Israel released from that captivity. God doesn't always remove you from the situation and remove you from the struggle, but he does equip you to be able to be there and honor him in the midst of it. And as a result, Daniel was there for more than three quarters of his life. And he was able to influence three different kings because he was faithful to God. That's huge. If you're going to live a life that honors God, if you're going to live resolved to stand firm on your convictions, you're going to have to take risks. And you need to understand that there's going to be times that those risks are not going to work out well. There's going to be other times where God rewards you standing there, even though the reward may not be what you think it's going to be. But in the end, God will be honored. And people will be able to see what it looks like to pursue God. So I'll ask you a question very similar to what I asked you last week. Are you willing to risk everything to pursue Jesus and live obediently to the word of God? Will you, in this room, outside of this room, on your school campus, on your ball field, in your home, at your place of work, all of the different places you go, will you resolve yourself to pursue the one that pursued you first? Jesus Christ who gave his life on a cross for the sin, the penalty that you and I owe, something that we cannot fix about ourselves. You know this because you've had a day in your life where you've tried to be good and not do anything wrong and not tell a lie and not be ugly and not be mean and not be angry and all of those things. And just like me, you've failed miserably. But Jesus gave his life to, life to forgive us of our sin. And he gives us the opportunity to put our faith and trust in him to be forgiven and to pursue him worth the rest of our life. Let me tell you this, and I've said this before and I'll say it again. Asking Jesus to forgive you of your sin, that's the easy part. Living a life that honors him from that point on, that's the hard part. But that's what we're called to do, to live a life that is resolved to honor him. So I'm going to ask you tonight to take a risk. In just a second, we're going to stand up, we're going to sing. But I want to challenge you. If there's some area of your life, if there's some situation, if there's something going on, and, and in the back of your mind you're thinking right now, I don't have resolve in that area. I'm struggling. I want to ask you to take a risk, and I want to ask you to put it in print tonight. I'm going to ask you to take one of those orange cards and write down. You can do it anonymously if you want to, or you can put your name down so we can pray for you specifically. But I want you to write down what is it, what area of your life do you need God to help you live resolved in that area of your life? And if you're willing to take that risk and let somebody pray for you tonight, when we stand up, when we sing, drop it right there in that basket so that we can pray for you. And if you're here tonight and you want to pray with somebody, grab your neighbor and ask them to pray with you. Grab one of the adults and ask them to pray for you. Because guys, as I've said before, and I'll say it so many times, we're not supposed to do this by ourselves. God has put us with people all in this room, all over this room that we are supposed to walk together with and encourage each other and build each other up and spur each other on to godliness. That's what scripture says. Are you willing to live resolved tonight? 
And if there's an area you're struggling with, are you willing to give it to God and let somebody else pray for you about it? That's the question. Let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you for who you are. God, we thank you that we can come together, that we can study your word, God, that we can even be in your presence. And God, I pray right now for every single one of us, God, every person in this room, God, we all need help to be resolved. God, I pray that you'll give us the courage to take the risk knowing, God, that you will take care of us even if it's not in the way that we think or desire. You will give us what we need to be able to honor you. Help us to trust your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray.